Welcome to Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And we call it Upstream because we've realized that in life, for you to be the best version of yourself, you're really going to have to swim upstream even against your own natural inclinations. So our conversations are about how to become the best version of ourselves and how to think clearly in a confusing world. Yeah, apologies for... Maybe not describing that sooner in the in the series, but uh, yeah, just in in most most aspects in life, if you're doing things right, you're going to feel some some resistance against you. Yeah, and that and and we want to just embrace that and tell the truth about that because uh, sometimes that that current you feel against you is the culture. Sometimes it is yourself. Sometimes it's you know you're the worst version of yourself trying to convince you not to be the best version of yourself. Sometimes your natural impulses, while they are natural, they are naturally wrong. Mm. Well, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. We start every episode with a story and or joke, and today it is my dad's turn. All right, so it's my turn. I was thinking about stories. You know, for some reason, since this is father and son conversations, I think mm-hmm. about my my uh, prepubescent and pu- pu- and postpubescent uh, <laughs> life. You know, my adolescence, Sure. Uh, though I have a friend who hates that word. Um, anyway, so uh, when I was a kid, I played ice hockey for eight years, which in Dallas was a rare thing at the time. I can imagine. Yeah, we had a minor league hockey team from the Chicago Blackhawks, but hockey was not popular. And um, anyway, I fell in love with it, so I started playing. And uh, so my junior year of high school, um, I end up on the same hockey team with two of Mike Ditka's sons. So, you know, this is NFL's Mike Ditka. NFL's Mike Ditka. So he was in Dallas at the time. He was the wide receivers and specialty teams coach for the Cowboys. And his two sons played hockey. It was Mike Jr., who was a year older than me, and Mark, who was a year or my age. And so we were all on the same team for that year. And so became really good friends with the Ditkas. I was, you know, always at their house and we all were good buddies. And so we were all golfers and uh, Mike Jr. was an incredible golfer. Mark and I were trying to, you know, make the high school golf team. We didn't go to the same schools. Mm. Uh, But uh, so one day we're playing golf together at a place called Los Colinas Country Club. The Ditkas had joined it. It wasn't really a nice place, but it was, you know, (laughs) we're, we're there and we had played the front nine and. I had had my best nine holes in my life. I shot a 44 on the Whoa. front nine. At the time. Like. At the time, that was that was the best score I'd ever had for nine holes. So we get a little lunch or whatever. We get on the 10th tee, which is right in front of the clubhouse. And Mark and I would play from, you know, the white tees. And Mike Jr. played from the tips because he was on the high school golf team and he was trying to play, you know, and he could sure. just crush the ball. So he's back there at the tips, and Mark and I hit first. So I hit my drive, and I crush one right down the middle. It's going to be a continuation of that front nine. I'm so fired up. Mark hits his shot, and after he hits the shot, he's, he can't find his tee. You know, sometimes your tee flies out of the ground. Sure. And he's looking around for his tee, and he can't find it. And Mike says, get out of the way, Mark, because Mike's been ready to hit. He's been very impatient for our, you know, mediocre drives. Yeah. And he's saying, get out of the way, Mark. Mark says, I got to find my tee. Get out of the way, Mark. I got to find my tee. Mark, I'm going to hit the ball. Get out of the way. 
And Mark's still looking for his tee, and Mike just reared back and hit, crushed a drive right into the side of Mark's kneecap Ooh. of his knee. Ouch. And he hits the ground, I mean, screaming like a stuck hog. And this man comes running across from the driving range. He had seen the whole thing happen. And he tackles Mike Jr. What's the matter with you? You know, you could have killed him. And Mark Tackled rolls over. Him? Yeah, he did. Mark rolls over, and there's the dimples from the golf ball in the side of his knee. Holy I mean, it Christ. hurt him bad. So we have to rush Mark to the hospital. Like, we think maybe it broke, broke some bones in there. Sure. So the three of us hop in my car, and we go to uh, the hospital, to the emergency room. And um, I said, I got to call. I got to call. I got to call your dad. And Mike Jr. is <laughs> like, no, you can't call my dad. He will kill me. So we keep trying to call their stepmom. But, but why would he? I mean, Mark is the one who hit the ball. No, Mike is the one who hit the ball. Gosh, is Mark's okay, the one okay. who got hurt. So gotcha. Mike Jr. is begging me not to call his dad. And so we can't get his mom, stepmom to answer the phone. So I call his dad. And um, I, I mean, this big six foot four Mike Jr., high school senior, I'm a, I'm a sophomore, is crying. I mean, he's scared to death for Mike wow. Ditka to show up and uh, crush him. So I did what any good friend would do. Like, I got out of there before Mike showed up. <laughs> Well, he, I'm like, hey, I gotta go. No, you know? no high school guy wants his buddy to see him. Well, that's true. Yeah, destroyed by his. That's dad, that's know? true. And uh, so I left. I had to I actually had to get to work. And uh, cool. One little last tidbit about the Ditkas. You know, Mike was really good to our family. My dad died when I was good friends with the Ditkas, mm. and Mike had a talk show on Dallas radio, sports radio, during that time, and he dedicated one of his shows to my dad. And was a real support to my mom right after my dad died. So it was That's just awesome. kind of a cool thing. Yeah. So when somebody says, get out of the way, I'm going to hit the ball. I say, just get out of the way. Sure. I mean, a tee, it's a little piece of wood. They're not very expensive. I'll give you a bag of tees. Just get out of the way. Right. I, if we're talking responsibility, it was definitely not Mark's fault. That's that true. But Mark was just picking it. on his brother. Like he, he knew how to upset his brother. And it's one of those. It was a brother thing. Okay. I'm there are loose loose ends. What happened? Did, I mean, uh, it was just a really severe severe bruise. No bones were broken, and uh, he didn't miss any ice time. I uh, mean, did 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 Mike Senior like throw him out? Oh, of the he, or he he yeah. I I don't know. I you know I I never got involved in how physical their discipline was. So I assume <laughs> that it was just a frightening thing, not a physically painful thing. Sure. Yeah, and I think Mike got in trouble where he got grounded for a little while or something. Uh, yeah, but it was no big deal in terms of, you know, uh-oh, dad's going to kill me. He didn't yeah. He didn't kill him. Quick shout-out to the guy who tackled Mike. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Because this guy, man, it's it, it really he couldn't believe that someone would rear back and hit a driver yeah. when there's a kid standing what? literally 10 yards in it, front it of you. It could have been way worse. Oh. But uh, I, there was no clear and present danger, I'd say. I would say the tackle was unwarranted. I wasn't there. Who knows? Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Sure, this has gone on long enough. Yeah. Also, if you if that country club is still around, you just you really, <laughs> you really didn't sell it very well. It was not impressive. It was cheap, <laughs> and and you know that was a long time ago. So maybe I don't believe it's there anymore. Last time I was in Dallas, in that part of town, I think mm-hmm. the the actually the country club was gone. It may still be there, but it was it was it was cheap. 
It was okay, and it has it was brand new, so the course wasn't really mature yet, and it didn't drain well. There was I, I never did like the course, but I always scored well when we played there. Well, that's a good story. Yeah. So today, uh, we should have introduced our topic at the very start, oh, so people man. would stick around for it. Because right now they're wondering, are you guys going to ever talk about hey, anything meaningful? If Mike Ditka didn't get them, they're not going to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> That's as good a hook as we Yeah, got. okay. So uh, today we're going to... that kind of sponsorship. That's true. So today we're going to talk about... Uh, and I, I'm a huge fan of his, by the way. Um, so one more little story. Our, our subject today is sovereignty. Yeah, stick around. And if, if God is sovereign, how does free will work under that sovereignty? And like, is it really meaningful to pray? Because if he's going to sovereignly do what he's going to do, does prayer make a difference? Sure. All these kinds of questions. And so... That's what we're going to talk about. How does how does sovereignty actually work, and how does it integrate with our lives? So, uh, one last Ditka thing. So, um, if, I mean, you could save it for another week if you want. I don't know. Yeah, I just, I just, uh, the man means a lot to me. Go for it. Yeah. Like I haven't seen him. I really haven't seen him since I was eighteen years old. So, mm. uh, years ago, I uh, long after we had all parted ways, Mike became the head coach of the Bears. And I lost track of the Ditka boys. Mm. And so I, I really was wondering how I wanted to track Mark down. We, you know, we had both graduated from college by now and I was probably 22 and I was just wondering where he was. So I thought, okay, I'm going to call the Chicago bears and see if there's any <laughs> way I could talk to Mike. Cause I didn't know any other way to find right. them. So I called the Chicago bears and I'm like, uh, they's like Chicago bears. And I said, uh, can I speak to Coach Ditka, please? <laughs> and that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting a little laugh on the other end. Sure. And they said, uh, can I ask who's calling? And I said, Jim Ladd. And uh, hold on a second. And in a couple seconds, Jimmy, what's going on? Oh, and it was goodness. Coach Ditka. That's awesome. Uh, so it was really just the, the man means a lot to me. Um, I think he's hilariously funny. Um, one of the most disciplined individuals I've ever known. So just in case – you know, people think he's a terrible dad because his dad was petr his his son was petrified that no, he was going to show up. That's not at all what I meant. Uh, he, yeah. yeah, he's a good dude, good dad, and uh, I'm a big fan. That's that's great. Yeah. So sovereignty, John. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about sovereignty. What when you think about that, what is the first kind of concept or question that 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 bothers you? Yeah. If we're going like you know, first thing that comes to your mind. Yeah. First is comfort, which is a blessing because a lot of people it's not that easy. First, now, what what do you mean by that? I am I am very comforted by the 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 idea of God's sovereignty over the the world. And why is that comforting to you? Um because I trust him a lot more than I trust myself with things, I guess. Or I guess um if he if if God is perfect and then he promises that his will cannot be stopped and it will be done. That's that's a pretty great promise. So, you know? do you mean like the overarching story of God that that He started it all and He's going to end it all, and so you don't have to worry about the details because He's going to cover them? You mean like right. that, or do you mean His sovereignty over your life? All all of the above. Okay. If if someone's hands got to be on the steering wheel, I mean He's you know obviously the most qualified guy for the job. Yeah, and I'm I'm very okay with that. Uh, but I also personality wise, I'm a pretty I'm a pretty lackadaisical guy. Mm -hmm. so, I didn't notice that except right at first. <laughs> right. Well, maybe our <laughs> listeners don't know me as well as you do. Um, so it's a, it's a comforting idea. I could see if you maybe like to be in more control. It would be more confronting. Mm. And it's not that easy for me because there is a lot 
it's not a simple idea. There's a lot of in even in the scriptures that that really um, makes this a hard pill to swallow. Sometimes. It's complicated. So yeah. when you say somebody might like it, might not like it because they want to be more in control. Mm-hmm. So you think God's sovereignty means that we do surrender something? Well, I used to think that it was a lot more simple than that. That really, it's like, oh, God just knows what we're going to choose, mm. and then He, you know, plans around that. Um, but you think about, you know, uh, a lot of the the scriptures that are quoted in um, predestination stuff, which we can again, that's a that that'll be a whole other conversation, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, like God hardening Pharaoh's heart, or the spirit uh, drawing people and not drawing people and revealing things to people and not revealing things to people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of uh, interaction there. So it's not, we're not, we don't get these choices in a vacuum. You know, there's a lot of spirit influence on us. Yeah. Um, you know, one way or another. So it's, it's not that uh, cut and dry. Um, and then, you know, stuff like, uh, like when the plan of God requires the obedience of people, mm-hmm. And then, you know, and they don't obey. Right. Or they do obey. And he says, thank you for doing that. And in, in more or less words, you know, uh, so that that kind of stuff where, where the inter, where they intersect, where your free will and sovereignty of God intersect it, it is where it gets very confusing for me. It is a it is a it's a confusing thing because God promises that we can have free will and there's nothing he doesn't foreknow. Right. So by the virtue of the fact that he knows what you're going to choose, does that mean you still have the freedom to choose? Right. That really, for some reason, I know there's people who that, that, that seems impossible. Mm-hmm. If he knows I'm going to turn right at the next street, if he knows I'm going to drop out of school uh, or whatever, did I really ever have a choice? If he knew exactly. that from the foundations of the world, how is it that I actually chose that? Exactly. And so is is my sense of free will actually an illusion that everything is sovereignly predetermined? Right. I never, I never have you know struggled going that far. Are I, we really in the matrix? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Are we all in the dream of just some big turtle? Right. <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. What is that? Uh, I think it's a Stephen King thing. Oh, okay. That like the god of his like fictional universe is a cosmic turtle. Oh. I don't. I haven't read a lot of Stephen King. That's, that's deep thinking, man. That's yeah. Yeah, I don't know what you. How much you got to you know consume to get right. to that level? Right. That's a lot of mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for me, like like talking about and again a different episode, but yeah. uh, human suffering. Um, I've it's it's it's. I think of it almost as um, the the price we pay for our free will is human suffering, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when um, a certain way, you know, maybe a certain um, denomination or, or school of thought of Christians would say that we don't have free will, I think, well, then what the heck is all this suffering about, you know? Right. Because if we didn't have free will, then God would have made us sin. That's not how that works, you know? True. He didn't choose for us to sin. He right. gave us the capacity to, right, and which we, we exercised. It. Exactly. So I was reading this morning in the Gospel of Matthew. I think it was it's pretty late in the book, and um, it's at the crucifixion of Jesus. And this horrible. I, every time that comes in my reading, I don't enjoy it. Wow. I just don't like reading yeah. those chapters. But um, so they it was it was Judas hung himself after he he had remorse for what he had done, and so he takes the thirty pieces of silver back to the the priests. 
Sure. And he says, I don't want this money. This, you know, I, I, ha- I'm sorry for what I did. Here's your money back. And they would not put that money in the temple treasury because it was blood money. So they bought a potter's field and made it a place where poor people could be buried, I believe. But anyway, this notion that they bought the potter's field. And when you look at the references there, that's in quotes, so that the scriptures might be fulfilled is what it says. And you look, and there are three places in the Old Testament that refer to using blood money to buy the potter's field. So here's the sovereignty thing, right? So God wrote hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus. Thousands, probably. Yes, that there was going to be a potter's field bought in connection to the betrayal of Jesus. And this is all, you know, there's dozens of these Mm -hmm. so that we would have faith and believe, man, this really was predetermined in God's heart from before the beginning of time. Yeah. But, But this is weird. So those dudes who decided to use that money to buy the potter's field, were they exercising free will? Were they independently able to do anything they wanted with that money? Or did God's sovereignty require that they were going to use that money for the potter's field so that the scriptures would be fulfilled? Right. So did God give them the thought? Did he control their thinking? You know, did they actually have exercised some kind of independent thinking? Yeah. So does the prophecy show that God foreknew they would buy the potter's field? Therefore, he reported on it in advance. You know, I traveled in time, bought a lottery. I, I saw the winning lottery number. I came back in time and bought that ticket, right? That's what I think is going on there is that God foresaw it. Right. So he prophesied it. But then in, you know, in these prophecies um, or in, a, in most of the ways of God, things come full circle and the, you know, the um, uh, promises are fulfilled, you know, things like that. And not all of that can come from our actions, Right. Like, like that would just be, that's just chaos theory. That's just, you know, oh, the, you know, I don't know. Like, like, like if he was just prophesying human actions, it wouldn't work out the way it works out. So there's got to be something out. There's got to be him working there. Well, and that's where, you know, for me, the, the fundamental part of God's sovereignty is the, is the, is the story arc Mm. of the human experience. So God preexisted it. He created it and he will exercise his sovereign will over the outcome. Right. So this we can know that the devil's going to lose and that God's going to win and that he's going to redeem it all. Like the story of God will not be thwarted. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's how, that's the first level of sovereignty that just brings me peace. Yeah. Like, uh, so one of the, you know, when we talked about politics in one of the previous episodes, mm-hmm. You said, does my participation even matter? Like, uh, does God determine the governments or does Satan control the governments and we're all just pawns? Yeah. Does my participation really make a difference? And um, when you think about the overarching story of God, you can say, well, does it matter what any of us do? When I think about people ask sometimes, what's the United States role in the end times? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, there was no United States when a book was written, when the prophecies were given. So they couldn't have referred to the United States, at least intentionally, because they had no concept of that. Right. So it's hard to know what our role or if we will even still exist in the end times. So, but I rest in, even though I'm an American and I want America to exist, I do rest in the fact that God is going to sovereignly determine the outcomes of epics, of histories, of nations, and uh, that 
he will sovereignly determine. So the implication of that is the smaller stuff he won't sovereignly determine? That he that he foreknows everything, but he does, in fact, release us to turn our lives into a barrel of crap or to follow and align ourselves with his will. Um, you know, I've used the example with uh, with my kids. Uh, I think you and I have had this conversation, but certainly my older kids, we had this conversation about God's foreknowledge. Like if you're if you're standing over a a, a mural on the floor, and it has lots of colors, and you see a bug walking on that mural, and the bug is in a totally red part of the mural. We have had this conversation, right? And so you can see that the next color that bug is going to enter is white, and then it's going to then its whole world is going to turn blue. Like you know that mm-hmm. the bug doesn't know it, and then bam, his life turns white, and then bam, his world turns blue. You knew it, but you did not control it, right? And so that I think is predominantly how God lets us operate. But there, so so big picture things, you know, sovereignty of God takes over, but also uh, in, in the way of eternal destiny. Um, if I like never evangelized to anybody, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the names of the book in, in heaven, the book of life were written before I was, you know, a twinkle in your eye, you know, as they say. Hmm. So it's like, so what, now, uh, what makes you say that? It's the, that the books have already been written, that every name has Jesus already been written. That. He does? Mm-hmm. And then John writes about a lot in Revelations. The book of life that was written before the foundations of the earth were laid, he opens it up and he says, he sees if you're in the book or not. Hmm. For some reason, I've never thought of it in that chronology. Mm. It just gave me goosebumps like crazy. So I hold on to that one. That one yeah. I think about a lot. Um, That's a great question. So you're saying since the since the name is already already in or out of the book. Right. Then, and then, then did I ever get to have a choice on my name being in the book or not? Exactly. And then you wonder, again, we'll talk about this one later. <laughs> I feel like that's half this podcast. Um, but, you know, like if we can't, Paul writes a, a lot that we can't take credit for our own salvation, salvation. because yeah. the spirit called us first. But then if you, if you don't, if you, if you reject Jesus, you do cr- take credit for that. So that doesn't seem to, to make a, a lot of sense. Right. So, uh, one of the ways I crossed that bridge myself and man, you know, who am I? I don't know everything. Mm. Uh, there are people way smarter than me that disagree with me. And so we're, we're processing our thoughts. Yeah. Um, those whom God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. What came first foreknowledge he's watching and he, and he watched this before the beginning of time. He watched every day of your life before you were born. Mm-hmm. So he's watching that bug, red, white, blue, and one of the colors of your life is whether you do accept the grace of Christ hmm. and his gift of salvation for you. And then he either he foreknows or... it. So since he knows it, since he knows that John's name is in the book, because John's going to respond to the grace of God, now he's going to predestine you to be conformed to the image of his son. However, if your name is not in the book because he foresaw that you're not going to respond to his grace, Hmm. then he's going to exercise his sovereignty and use your life for his glory. So nobody gets a pass from glorifying God. Sure. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So uh, 
when I look at the genealogy of Jesus, okay, Matthew chapter one, I believe it is. It might be Luke one, but I think it's Matthew one. And there's the genealogy of Jesus. You know, it's, it's, it's in Luke. It's Luke yeah. one, yeah. And um, so you see this genealogy. And at the end of the genealogy, it says, so there were 14 generations from Adam to Abraham, 14 generations from Abraham, oh, man, I love right? That. Yeah, to and then, David and then to David. And then 14 from David to Jesus. What that, so there's 14, 14, 14. What that tells me is, None of that's random, right? Like God had a plan that happened to be syncopated to 14, 14, 14. Um, So when I think of Joseph and Mary, that's the last one in the genealogy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Why was Mary chosen? Was she chosen because she was the first woman capable of this mission? Mm -hmm. Or was she capable of this mission? Because it's the fourteenth generation and it's time. Yeah, I'd assume the the latter. One of the things we learned of in um, well, I learned about. I, a lot of people might have known of this beforehand, but in my uh, New Testament class at uh, Northwest, um, was this idea that uh, the time that Jesus came to Earth was the perfect time to do so, or at least the first time in history that it would have been as easy for word to spread quickly for him to travel as easy as he did mm-hmm. um, because of the Roman empire largely, which is ironic. Um, but the, the peace that the empire provided allowed Jesus to, tr- to travel very easily, um, allowed information to travel easily. And, and so it was, it was the perfect time period for him to be there. And the world was pretty contained. So mm-hmm. it's easy to affect the whole world from a 200 mile radius. Exactly. And I've been, I've, I've read some scholars say that there has never been a language before or since that could be as perfect for the writing of scripture as Koinonia Greek was. Hmm. That's a dead language now. Nobody speaks it, but um, that it has so much nuance to it that it is, it is a beautiful way to amplify with crystal clarity what God wanted to say. And I don't know, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a scholar. I took enough Greek to be dangerous, Uh, but, (laughs) but that's a fascinating idea, you know, that God does sovereignly choose the time, the place, the languages that are spoken you know, and, there's a lot of sovereignty exercise there. This is what gives me comfort is the, I think, I don't think when we get to heaven, we're going to be, and we're close to all knowing because we're not going to be God, but um, to see the things that we were never aware of, just the constant behind the mm-hmm. scenes magic going on of just impossible um, seeming coincidences happening that just make, make miracles happen. Yeah. I'm very excited for that. And that's the kind of stuff we're never, we were not going to know about, you know, for a long time. There's yeah. just too much going on. But, yeah. That's uh that is, that is an awesome thing. But so, I have a question. Okay. Uh, big, one of the bigger, um, uh, catches that, uh, that trips me up is, um, I believe it's, it's Abraham, um, praying to God, uh, over this sinful city i don't remember sodom and gomorrah sodom and gomorrah okay yeah i thought it was them but that's just yeah it's a it's a catchy he's interceding for them exactly he says what if you know what if there's only five righteous people in there all the way down to one yeah and um and he seemingly the way it's written he convinces god he doesn't get to one he stops at five because there there were only five okay and rather than save the city he rescued the five but he god was you know if if the story so if if abraham didn't do anything Mm mm-hmm I don't believe God would have killed those five righteous people. He might have done it a different way, but but Abraham's obedience or Abraham's love for the people saved the people. So was this a hmm. um was Abraham's prayer answered 
Or was God going to save him anyway? Exactly. Was it a, like Jesus says all the time, it's not you who knew this, but my father who revealed it to you or the spirit who revealed it to you. I forget the wording, but yeah, that's about the divinity of Jesus. It's a, that's a bigger concept. I'm not sure that's a parallel, but uh, you know, that's a fundamental question. Does prayer actually change the mind of God? Right. Or was it just, is it just you playing a part in his sovereignty anyway? Yeah. Yeah. So, this is a this is a big deal. I have a lot of friends who just don't pray. Mm. And the reason they don't pray is because they've had disappointments in prayer where they really cried out for someone they totally. love to be healed or something to happen, this job, I'm desperate for a job or whatever that would be, and they got disappointed. And they've kind of reached this place that, well, God's going to do whatever the heck. They don't say it that way, but that's the emotion there. Sure. God's going to do whatever the heck he wants, so why even talk to him about it? Yeah. So if I pray, he's going to he's gonna do it. If I don't pray, he's going to do it. So they reach the conclusion that prayer doesn't change a thing. Yeah. Which is interesting because in the scriptures, in the book of James, it says you have not because you ask not, meaning that you could have had more if you would ask. Hebrews 11 says that we must have faith, for without faith it's impossible to please God. For whoever, believes, whoever would come to him must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I'm convinced God's not an equal opportunity rewarder. We don't all get the same thing. People who are hungry for God do, in fact, get more. And people who pursue him get more. And people who pray more get more. Now, so so then how does that work if God's going to sovereignly do what he wants? And, again, I go back to this foreknowledge question. I hadn't thought about this before we started recording this podcast. Hmm. I'm starting to see this as a thread because... God knows in advance what we're all going to do. He knows whether you're going to pray about that or not. Sure. And so um, in the Bible, this is recorded as if we changed God's mind. When Moses, uh, for example, God says, that's it. I've had it. I'm going to strike them all dead. I'm going to start a new nation with you, mm-hmm. and I'm going to kill them all. And Moses says, please do not do that. If you do that, then your reputation with the pagan world will be toast. Everyone in Egypt will leave you, brought him out here just to kill him. Yeah. And no one will glorify you. Please don't do that. And he falls on his face and, and asks God to spare the people. And it says that God changed his mind and that he spared the people for Moses' sake. Well, in, in, in the case of God knowing in advance everything, he knew Moses was going to pray that prayer. Yeah. And so he's letting this play out, even though he already knows the outcome. Yeah. And if Moses hadn't prayed, say, well, what if Moses didn't pray? Then he would have struck all those people dead because uh, he knew already that Moses was going to pray. Hmm. So he really did change his mind because that would have been his intention unless Moses intercede. Yeah. So I, I, I have this wonder of how many things I'm going to get to heaven and go, dang, that could have changed. That could have changed. That could have right. changed if I would cried out to God because I have not because I asked not. But so part of this, part of my like, um, I don't, it seems like God does a lot of theatrics with people, mm-hmm. um, like with uh, with Solomon. He says, you know, ask me anything and you'll get it. And but then after Solomon says what he actually wants, God says, well, that's good you said that because if you had asked for anything else, I wouldn't have given it to you. Well, I don't yeah. know that he says that. He he just says I'm. He says I'm surprised you didn't ask. Because most people would have. They'd have said, make me the wealthiest person in the history right. of the world or make me the most powerful. It would have been me, 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 me. Mm-hmm. 
And instead, he said, hey, give me wisdom to rule your people well, for I'm young and they are a great people. Yeah. And so it was a humble request. And what does the scripture say? God exalts the, he, he humbles the proud and uh, exalts the humble. So uh, that's where you wisely align yourself with the character of God. If you're proud, it's his job to humble you. Yeah. And if you're humble, it's his job to exalt you. So I say, let God do his job, which is to exalt you, and you do your job, which is to humble yourself. And so the fact that God sovereignly already knows how arrogant or humble I'm going to be doesn't change my real-time decision to be arrogant or humble. Yeah. I have a hard time, back to the Moses thing, I have a hard time believing that God, with his uh, devotion to the Jewish people, would have killed them there. I and and maybe it was a test, hmm. you know. Abraham and his son take your son up on the mountain and kill him. Right. God never intended to kill him. Abraham believed that God was going to let him kill him, and then God was going to raise him back from the dead. Yeah. Which would have been a really cool story too. You know. Then Isaac's got this story. See the scar. Right. You know <laughs> what a great story. How many chicks could he have picked up saying, "Hey, let me tell you a story yeah. about the scar." And then the ancient CPS <laughs> services are like, "Hey, we got to have a conversation." Right. <laughs> So, uh, so we don't know always what God is up to, but he does. Yeah. Nothing's random. And this is one of the great comforts to me about his sovereignty is, you know, um, if I get a diagnosis tomorrow, Mm. God already knows if it's terminal or not, I'm going to cry out. I'm going to ask, I'm going to beg, I'm going to pray. Yeah. Uh, but he already knows if I get, if I get fired from my job. He already knew that was coming. He's not surprised by it. So I can rest in the fact that God's already 16 steps ahead of me and I can trust him. Yeah. So I've one of one of my like lay lay theologian ideas about this, not about that in particular, but about the um the manipulation that God has over your your personal decisions is that the more because because the spirit does affect you as a person that that you you know, that is just that's scripture. Yeah. Um, if you are inviting the spirit into you and are pursuing God, do you think that that is not that he needs permission, but that is an invitation for him to change you? So maybe Moses, you know, was was led to the spot where he could intercede for the Jewish people, acting like Christ a, a lot in that way, mm-hmm. um, because of his interaction with the spirit. Like, is that a is that is that a sacrifice of our own agency? Yeah, I think I think sovereignty? you know I think what you're, if I understand your question yeah, right, I I, think, I'm sure. Sorry, I'm, no, you're yeah. good. I I think what you're asking is, do we have still real time ability to interact with God in a dynamic way? Is what I'm hearing you ask more so is because we do have free will, but when we invite the Spirit into ourselves and really you know sup with mm-hmm. Jesus like He says He, he will are we forfeiting part of our agency to say, Hey, let me act like mm. you, mm. you know, which is a great thing. Not that that's a thing that would be wrong, but is that what's going on there? Because how else can we, how else can we behave differently with, without that sort of, um, yeah. You know, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is, is Saul before he becomes King in first mm. Samuel chapter 10, uh, Samuel tells him, yeah, you're going to on your way home. The donkeys have been found, go home. And on your way home, you're going to get to this town, and these prophets are going to come out, and they're going to prophesy over you, and you're going to prophesy with them. 
And then he says, and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you're going to become a different person. Right. And uh, my favorite part is then he says, then whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for the Lord is with you. Yeah. So uh, you're going to become a different person. Corinthians says, behold, the old is past, the new has come, everything's new. And surely, you know, most of us can testify that when we came to faith in Christ and we bowed our knee to his authority, something dramatically changed in us. Yeah. And so we seek that, we want that, we desire that. And that is, uh, I've never thought of that as a surrender of agency. Sure. But it certainly is a collaborative relationship because the Holy Spirit's not going to control you. Uh, you know, sometimes, well, that's a whole other conversation about um, spiritual gift uh, activity. But the scripture says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So even God's interaction with me, I am I am responsible to govern my behavior and follow the Spirit's prompting in yeah. in an appropriate way. Well, what so, you bind will be bound in heaven. What you loose will be loose in heaven. There's a lot of lot of uh, authority. Yeah. There. So really, you know, there are two sovereign entities at play. There's the sovereign God, and there's the sovereign John. And your sovereignty is limited. John with no H. Mm-hmm. Uh, your sovereignty is limited, but it is real. God has given you sovereignty. That's why you can murder somebody. That's why you can reject God. That's why you can, man, um, I heard a story today about a child in our town, horribly abused by its parents. He's six years old and trying to figure out how to help this family. But man. the things people do to each other because they can exercise their sovereignty. Yeah. And yeah, a whole nother episode on, on suffering, I'm sure. But that is, that's why I think the free will argument is so integral to the suffering argument mm-hmm. is because if God stopped people from hurting other people, we wouldn't have free will anymore. Right. And he won't do that. Yeah. I think, you know, my question goes into the heaven situation. So we go to heaven, there's no more sin, no more crying, no more disease, uh, no more evil. So is it going to be possible for us in heaven? Will we be given the free will to choose sin again? Just and, hit repeat on the whole. Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. You know, I, um, I can't imagine an eternity without my free will. Yeah. That's hard to imagine. I, I, God doesn't, he's not glorified by robotic people who have no choice right. but to worship him. And well, we know that Satan had, full exposure to the glory of God and rebelled against him with a third of the angels. So, yeah, but the angels don't continue to rebel. I don't believe, I don't know much about it, but I don't think that after that fall, there weren't, you know, every now and again, more people, yeah, more like, angels right. saying, Hey, I'm joining their team. Right now. Yeah, that's, that's apparently true. You're right. Um, and I wonder, cause I think the closest thing we have to a model of what heaven will be like is the garden, but it will, it'll have to be different on just basis of marriage. You know, we won't have, marriage supposedly in in heaven um it's a new heaven and a new earth so it's yeah. not going to be it's not just going to be if the garden worked it'll be different so i don't know if it's gonna yeah now we've drifted gonna... into an eternity yeah. question which is uh which is a lot different did you have any other parts of the sovereignty conversation yeah. that kind of were interesting to you or thought you've been having about this because the reason we're doing this episode is you've had sovereignty on your mind for a while it keeps coming in and out you know yeah i think it's um it's just, it's just the most, uh, I don't know. It's, it's the most contentious thing. Um, let me check real quick. I wrote some down. Okay. So on a more, we, we, especially this episode, but in general, we kind of keep our heads 
uh, in the clouds in these conversations. So on a more practical note, okay, um, this is maybe one of the more contentious issues in um, really religious Christianity. So in denominations, this makes or breaks entire churches. You know, oh, okay. So like you know re- re- uh, the Reformation, this mm-hmm. is a, a huge deal. Why do you think this issue in particular is the one that uh, that really splits people up? You know. Now you're talking about. I, I'm trying to understand your question. You're talking about the idea that God sovereignly decides who's going to be saved and who's not. Yes. Yeah. The, and this again is predestination. But why is this the? Why is this the divider? You know. Well, you must, I think you must be this. You know, sovereign to, to right. Be, right. Yeah. Well, I think that the point that, um, on the predestination side, the point that that is so passionately held is that you don't get to take credit for this at all. Yeah. Like there is no part of your salvation that is score one for John. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about uh, Jesus, this this is the illustration is Jesus raised Lazarus from the tomb after he was dead for four days. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. And what you don't see is um, is uh, Lazarus coming out of the tomb and high-fiving Jesus and going, way to go, man. Teamwork makes the dream work. You spoke and I responded. Right. You know, it's not like that. Like he raised you from the dead. And that's a legitimate point. And they protect the right that God has. Who are you, um, piece of clay, to shake your fist at the potter for what he made you into? Right. Does the potter not have the right to make whatever he wants out of those lumps of clay. Yeah. Yes, he does. So they are, man, they are standing strong on defending the right of God to pick whoever he wants, to do whatever he wants with your life, your body, um, and, you know, to make your life difficult and use your difficult and your pain for his glory Mm -hmm. or to make your life easy peasy, you know, which nobody actually has. But um, you know that they're they're defending fiercely that man is nothing, God is everything. Okay, and I love that. That's a, that's legitimate. And uh, and man, there's portions of scripture that just scream that to us. Yeah. But then there's other portions of scripture where Jesus says uh, it says he could do no miracles there for they had no faith. Uh, Jesus says, according to your faith, be it done unto you. Yeah. Um, uh, all who believe in the name of the Lord shall be saved. So there's a believing function. So what they say on the other side of uh, divine election is, no, I participate in my redemption. Yeah, well, even the Abraham and Isaac, it is his obedience there that sets up the entire first covenant, right? It is, but you also have Jacob and Esau where God says, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. And he before says so before they were born. Yeah. So uh, again, that's where I say foreknowledge is the key that unlocks all of this. God foreknew. So he hardened Pharaoh's heart. That's one of those where this is one of the arguments in that conversation. Hmm. Um, If God hardened Pharaoh's heart not to let the people go, then why does he punish Pharaoh for having a hard heart? Right? So that's the argument. So, and then the, and the sovereignty champions say, because who are you to argue with God? He can harden hearts if he wants to, and he can, he can soften hearts if he wants to. It's none Mm -hmm. of your dang business. And so, uh, but I don't think it's like that. When I think of God hardening Pharaoh's heart, it's like uh, siblings can do with each other. It's like friends can do with each other. I know what gets your goat, so I'm going to push that button. But you're the one who reacted to it. 
So because of Pharaoh's arrogance, that he was the most powerful man on earth, that he was worshiped in Egypt as a God, surely he is a son of the gods. So God knows that when he sends a little stuttering old man, 80-year-old man to him and says, let my people go or I'm going to thump you in the head, that it's going to harden Pharaoh's heart. And he's going to go, who is this God that thinks he can tell me what to do? And so I believe when he says he hardened Pharaoh's heart, that's how he did it. He pushed his buttons. So earlier when you said, you know, the it, it is that kind of combo where if, if God sees, oh, you you respond to me, he he exacerbates that and and conforms you to the image of, of Christ. To whom much is given, uh, much is required, but also he who has some more will be given and to him who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. So, but then how much of that when, when, um, I actually have no idea where this is in in the scripture, but, um, you know, it says that God forsakes people to their desires. If they, if they, you know, walk away from him for too long, I've really, I'm kind of, kind of butchering this, but basically that if you reject God and continue to reject God, he will release you unto yourself. He gives you over. So Romans says, you know, um, they traded the glory of God for the glory of creation. You know, they Mm -hmm. traded, they traded the glory of the creator for the creation and he gave them over to, and then, and then boy, you, and, and James says, this is how sin happens that, uh, God doesn't tempt anyone, but you are dragged away and enticed by your own evil desires. Your desire conceives and gives birth to sin and Mm -hmm. sin when it's fully grown gives birth to death. So there's this progression. And I, and so when you, when you, when you choose to ignore God, like you defy his authority, he gives you over to that. And then he gives you over to what's next and he gives you over to what's next. But the reason he does that in, in my, in my humble, but accurate view (laughs) is to accelerate your destruction so that you will hit the bottom of that barrel and cry out for his help. Yeah. But so if he can uh, allow you to go deeper, that implies that he is at some level a intimately a, yeah. in you and holding you back from things. Yes, but he is in he is exercising his sovereignty to respond to what's actually in your heart. He does not in, in I can't find anywhere in scriptures where he's controlling your heart, yeah. where he is placing belief in you. Now, there are times in moments, uh, scripture says that as the banks of a river guide the river, so the hand of God guard, guides the hearts of kings. Mm-hmm. So when there's a political thing going on and the destiny of nations is at stake, I think God participates to, again, protect his overarching story. Sure. Um, so there'd be moments of that, but in terms of your own eternal destiny, God is not responsible for your destiny. You are, and all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And how shall they call if they've not heard? And how shall they hear if there's not someone to tell them? Mm-hmm. And so I've always wondered why people who believe in the sovereignty extreme ever would witness to anybody. Why do you have evangelists? Why do you have missionaries? Right. If the sovereignty of God is the only thing that matters, then shut your mouth and enjoy your life. Go sailing. And that's why that's, I think even at the end here, um, I'm still kind of somewhere stuck in between to where I think the God knows you will be obedient in times Mm -hmm. and he's going to use that as part of his plan because there's something, 
something about your faith and your obedience that really is empowering to the mission of God. You know, yeah. because of your obedience, this has happened. Because of your faith, it is so, you know. And there, it's, sovereign, it's a cause and effect. It is. And sovereignty, people would say, your evangelism is God's method of agency to accomplish his sovereign will. Sure. So he tells you to go tell people about him because you're the mouth he's going to use to accomplish his sovereign predetermined will. Mm-hmm. So I think um, you, you were onto something there that I just kind of cut off with that because no, I didn't, no, I didn't want to forget that. Um, so I'm trying to go back mentally to what you were just talking about. Yeah. The uh, let me see the utilization of our, or, or I guess the, the integration of our obedience with the plan or mm-hmm. that our obedience is the plan. Mm-hmm. And it isn't, a reliance that's not that if we weren't obedient, God couldn't accomplish his plans. It's that he doesn't, he's not here to do it alone. That's not the point. Yeah. You know, he could just snap his fingers and we'd all be saved, but it's about, um, it's the same reason why Jesus was born through a human as a human is because he wants us to partake in the story, to be participants with him. Right. I, I love that thought. And I want to, I, again, in my reading this morning, Jesus is arrested. He's at he's at the Garden of Gethsemane, and uh, he and they come to arrest him. And mm. Peter pulls out a sword and cuts off uh, an ear. Right. And Jesus says, "Hey, uh, you don't need the sword." He said, "Do you not understand that my Father right now I could summon twelve legions of angels, Dang. and they would come and kick butt right here, mm-hmm. but." Um. This is to a, this is to fulfill what God wants to do, which is salvation for everybody. So what Jesus just said there, I never saw, I never thought of this till this morning. Jesus had the the ability, the freedom, to use His divine power to blow up the plan of God, right? To bring and they, and He could have asked for, and His Father would have sent yeah. legions of angels to stop this crucifixion thing from happening. That's- I think. We also have that ability. God puts his spirit in you and you can use the empowerment of God to accomplish things against God Sure, because he's entrusted your sovereignty with his sovereignty. You can never break the overarching story of God, uh, but you can, you can use God's power in your life to crush people. That just reminds me of, um, uh, the disciples ask Jesus when this town puts sends them away. Shall, shall we call down fire yeah. like Elijah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? A, and they thought they were like being the teacher's pet oh there. My goodness. Hey, these people don't like you. You want me to call fire down right, on them? Yeah. Uh, stop it yourself, Edith. You yeah, know? Oh my goodness. Yeah. And that's funny. In in uh, John, the Gospel of John, when uh, he never says that Jesus fixes the centurion's ear. Or the centurion servants. He cuts right. it off and he and Jesus rebukes yeah. Peter and then he never goes back to it. I was like, that's an important detail. Story. Right, yeah. Because one of the Gospels does say that he right. healed him. Yeah. Right. Uh, any takeaway? I, I think I've already said mine. Did you have any ahas during this conversation that you want to reiterate? You know, it's it's confusing and it feels like you could chase your tail a lot. Mm. Okay, so God foreknew it, but I'm still free to, to make a real-time decision that could affect history. That's kind of weird. And so no matter how much you wrestle with these issues, it's going to always come down to your ability to take a step of faith. Mm-hmm. I believe in the power of God. I believe in the goodness of God. I believe that if I love him with my whole heart and I 
uh, earnestly seek him, that I will be rewarded for that. Like this affects real time. So what I want to urge is if you get go down the rabbit hole so deep that it starts being overwhelmingly dizzying, sure. sometimes it's good just to back out of that hole and say, hey, what do I know? I know that my God is good. I can look at creation and see how real he is. And um, sometimes you just got to back back up to that and say, okay, uh, people have been around for thousands of years and nobody's cracked the code on all of this. (laughs) So at some point I've got to, it's fun to explore. It's helpful to think about. At the end of the day, it's about just trust God. And these conversations can help you to trust him more. Um, but we're never going to figure it all out. Uh, we got we got three pounds of brain in our head, mm-hmm. and we think we're going to figure out the secrets of the universe. Yeah, if we could figure out everything there is to figure out about God, then our God is too small. Well, hey, this has been kind yeah, of a good along. lengthy conversation about the sovereignty of God, and we want to encourage you, if you have thoughts about this, if you have questions about this, if you would like to uh, recommend topics for future podcasts, Please reach out and, and talk to us. You can find us at jimandjohn.com. That's our website. We have blogs there. No H and John. No H and John. So it's Jim, A-N-D-J-O-N.com. And uh, we have blogs there. You can find more podcasts there. We've got some cool stuff there for you. Uh, a book that we wrote together is for sale there. Uh, and then we're on Instagram. Mm-hmm. What is that? What is our address there? Um, at Jim and John. Okay, and on Twitter, it's at Jim and John one. Yes, sir. And there's no at on Instagram. It's just Jim and John. Yeah, that's right. So Instagram, Jim and John, Twitter, at Jim and John one. And both of those links are available on the website as well. If yeah, you, if you, you can. There. Yeah. So uh, do us a favor. Uh, subscribe to our podcast. If you like what you heard, give us a rating. We would love to start to establish um, some reviews on our podcast sites on iTunes or uh, Spotify or wherever you found us. Uh, please review, subscribe, uh, turn on your notifications so that whenever time there's a new episode, you'll get notified. And we highly value you listening to us. Yeah. And tell your friends, old school style, just, hey, this is really word of mouth. Does anything ever beat word of mouth? I don't think so. I mean, just think about the best cheeseburger you ever had. If you find if you find something like for us right now, this restaurant state and central in Olympia, I mean, I just no do a free commercial. They're not they're not paying us any money. I'm telling you what. I tell you what. <laughs> that is some good eating. And that one's for free. That's for free. But that's what you do when you have something great. You want to tell your friends about it. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Uh, and, yeah, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks.